So I found out more about the Chinese guy in front of the budget. Sure. The East Asian guy. We, But I'm, I'm making a guess here. I think I'm almost certain he's Chinese okay. uh, just because wow. his uh, asterisk that was from Jackson. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 fine. I just just based <laughs> on based on the the research I was doing, like it sounds very much like he's Chinese. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, his name is Jason Lee. Okay. Um, L.I. Uh, yeah. And um, he did not serve jail time. God bless. Uh, I believe the judge uh, decided that online harassment was enough of a punishment for uh, <laughs> being memefied beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, which was, wow, that bodes well for you, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> if you remember the bougie woman who like went into the Best Buy and grabbed the, um, I can't remember her name, Camilla or something or whatever. And anyways, she was another meme, and uh, the same thing happened to her. The judge said, like, basically, online harassment was enough of a, a punishment, and she didn't end up serving any time or getting a jail sentence or like a, a suspended sentence or anything like that mm-hmm. either. Or I think she just got like a two year suspended sentence or whatever, but no like punishment beyond that. But yeah, um, I haven't watched it, but he posted an eight minute like video apology to the city of <laughs> city of Vancouver. I have no oh. idea what that's like, but I just found it right now. This guy's name is Jason Lee. We don't have to watch I'll the li- whole thing. I'll listen to it. Uh, this guy's name is Jason Lee. And I guess his only punishment was being forced to make a TV show with uh, the fat kid from Remember the Titans. You got to wear different glasses after this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Because the glasses are what signifies this guy to me. Yeah, and me the too. Belt. And the belt. You can never wear a belt ever again. Not to undo all the uh, everything that Elliot said at the end of the last episode, <laughs> but like the amount of apologizing this kid has, has to had to do for like breaking windows at a bank of Montreal is like. Yeah, it's a little excessive. <laughs> there's another. There's another eleven minutes of this. Yeah, my God. This is very, though, like when your mom drags you by the ear to your friend's house because you like stole his Lego. I'm so glad my mom never my mom never actually dragged me to my neighbor's house when I did that because I did do that once and she gave me shit for it. But yeah, (laughs) they were good Lego, though. Anyway, so I just wanted to point point you guys in the direction of this because that's interesting. I did not I did not I did not know that. And from from. What I can tell, he was like 17. Yeah, because he says he was like a high school student. Yeah. yeah, I think he was still a minor. He may have been 18 by then, but like, yeah, this this guy probably we probably graduated like the same year. <laughs> yeah, we all probably graduated the same year. He probably didn't get invited to the cool kids uh, grad trip or whatever bonfire. And so he decided to start his own bonfire yeah. <laughs> with the city. <laughs> The glow is gone from Vancouver's hockey celebration. This morning, there was just ugliness. So disappointing. You know, this is not what hockey's supposed to be about. So revolted, so disgusted by the violence that hundreds simply showed up to try to create something positive with the cleanup. It seemed like every glass window in the main commercial district around Granville Street needed to be replaced. And in Vancouver's commercial heart, rows upon rows of windows were smashed. At the Bay, at Sears, at London Drugs and other upscale stores. There was looting. This woman showed us the purse she stole. Stole the purse. Why? This glass is really, really expensive. When there's a large number of criminals and anarchists that have a common purpose and intent to break the law, it's very difficult to stop that. The mayor and the premier visited the damaged area today. They too fingered anarchists. They too fingered anarchists, fingered anarchists, fingered anarchists, fingered anarchists. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I am your host, Jackson McDonald, with me as usual. Hey, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, Vyastran, I guess. Oh, yeah, wait. <laughs> uh, we are continuing our, uh, project of trying to make sure Vyast never gets another job. So we have more time to record by, uh, yeah, exactly. 
by delving into part two, the 2011 Vancouver Stanley Cup riot, the aftermath and media reaction, which for me is really, I think, the fun part. You know, first episode was veggies. Now we get to dessert. But Mm, before we get into our readings here, of which I have roughly about as many as we did for the last one, uh, although they're going to be more fun. What do you guys remember about the aftermath of the riot and the media coverage? I don't know how much like consumption there would have been from the two of you of that stuff, because I think all three of us were probably trying to avoid it as much as possible. It was the second time that Vancouver felt like it was on the map since or like the second time Vancouver was mentioned on uh uh, the David Letterman show. Yeah, late night. <laughs> the first time being when number one for the top ten reasons why it's great that Vancouver gets the Olympics was Surrey Girls, <laughs> <laughs> which I still I would I would love to know the writer oh, who came that up with that made one. it over there. Yeah, in two thousand three, they probably had the dirty. That's probably it. That's probably it. Yeah, that's a callback. I think I've I've mentioned this before, but I just remember it getting mentioned on real time with Bill Maher. I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah. I just and I remember being like, even by then, just being like, man, this guy is just not very funny. Bill Simmons, too. Bill Simmons, uh, well, was already coming off a run of just ripping on the cities uh, for all the reasons you can think that a Boston guy would. Even if Boston was not our opponent, just name what a Boston guy would sound like talking about the Sedins yeah. in, uh, in 2011. Think about what a Boston guy would say about the Sedins in like April of 2011. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's what I remember. I remember guys like him just ripping on the Sedins, uh, that image of Brad Marchand punching the Sedins coming up so much. And then boohoo, you losers. Uh, you lost so bad. You set yourself on fire, et cetera, et cetera. Oh shit. Did you guys remember the, sorry, but do you guys remember the like, fake YouTube video of Jon Stewart calling out the Boston absolutely. Bruins. Absolutely. For- <laughs> Don't poke the bear. <sighs> yeah. Oh, just like, yeah. Absolutely. Just like repressed early internet hockey things. <laughs> yeah. I do remember all those videos. I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Jason Lee was the worst person in the world on uh, Keith Olbermann's show that night too. Oh, God. Which would be the fifth time that he's that he's covered the Canucks on the show. But yes. Yeah. So uh, on the subject of Bill Simmons, uh, one of my this is one of my favorite things to do is just uh, go back and look at old tweets and see uh, who's in the replies, particularly <laughs> like guys that I follow. And yeah, I see just see what your old friends are up to. I just pulled up uh, this tweet from Bill Simmons from 2015. Uh, the Sedin twins are the worst. God, I love sports hating the hell out of those guys and Burroughs. You suck too. And then the first response is from Jason Botsford and it says, this is the correct answer on the I'm a douchebag test. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, our first note here is from the independent review. Uh, it is the last time I will be citing the independent review, but it, it feels like a good place to start here. It is the notes on public submissions, which I think is really the only place you really can start when it comes to the aftermath of the riot, which is just how many people were desperate to snitch on anybody who had anything to do with this. Do you guys remember when Stephen Harper had the whole like phone line that this happened like a few years after that, this where like Stephen Harper had that phone line where you could just like snitch on your neighbors for wearing a burqa oh, or whatever. Yes. The barbaric practices, cult, barbaric cultural. Practices. Yeah. Chris Alexander yeah. and Kelly Leach. That was yes. like, that was like 2015. That's right. Yeah. 2015. Yes. But there's just lots of little things in here that just remind me of other things that happened later on. And obviously like, as we're, we're going to get into most of the people who are main characters in this story are deeply contemptible and are not like particularly sympathetic uh, criminals, but that's sort of the point, I guess. Uh, but anyways, I'll, uh, I will get into now uh, the notes on public submissions under the subheading, the role of alcohol. Of the 85 submissions we received, 37 contained comments about the role alcohol or intoxication may have played on June 15th. A frequent concern related to alcohol-related issues was that people who came downtown to celebrate that day were already intoxicated, 
had been drinking early during the day, were openly drinking alcohol, or that it had been too easy for people to bring alcohol into the lab site. Some thought that alcohol was not the only problem and that illicit drugs, particularly marijuana, had contributed to the problems of the events of June 15th. I this is a very like hack comedian observation. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I already see it coming. If yeah. ever if they had given everyone marijuana <laughs> instead of alcohol, none of this would have happened. <laughs> also, uh, the alcohol part of that just this sounds like the riot was like the the beginning of that Simpsons episode where the beer baron comes in. <laughs> Gregor Roberts then changes over the Happy Planet recipe to include alcohol underneath it all. And, uh, <laughs> Fermented Happy Planet. I'm sure. I'm sure that's okay. sure my roommates done that lately. <laughs> <laughs> Some commented on the idea that the problem was a culture of binge drinking, and that in other countries, public drinking is allowed and there are no riots. I'm sorry. All the countries with public drinking have like 20 soccer riots every year. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Uh, they're also good. Uh, not the riots, the, the countries and the drinking in public. Hey, thought actually. You know how we don't really have ultras in North America. Yeah, like the super fans who who get. Get into all the hooliganism. Like the Canucks don't have that. I know the Larshard has tried to do that. Not yet. But I feel like if somehow the team orchestrated it so that it wasn't officially, it wasn't, it wasn't Aquilini labeled on it, but there was a Canucks Ultras group that was like uh, 80 people who were just very violent and like did, did all those like smoke grenades at the beginning of the game and like lit, lit torches and stuff. If you just sequestered it all into this group of 80 people that it would be like a valve like a release valve absolutely so that riots wouldn't happen yeah i think that's a good yeah. idea i think we should yeah. support that there should be one like protest section there should Rogers be one Arena. paramilitary I mean, isn't that kind yes. of what like mls tries to <laughs> our shiners were supposed to be basically See, but this is the problem is that like 30 or 40 years ago, if you were hiring people to be in a paramilitary organization, you would get like the best and the brightest, the the real like strong go into the corners and, and take punishment sort of psychopaths. And now it's all just like, you know, pocket protector calculator, you know, crowd. A person suggested that, that there should have been beer gardens because they provide a controlled drinking environment and their staff can prevent people from over drinking. See, that's that, that's basically my argument, except I took it five times further. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that would have been an obvious way to maybe not prevent this, but mitigate some of the damage that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Under the subheading riots of the 85 submissions we received. 55 contained comments about the riots or about riots in general. What were the other 30 contained? <laughs> <laughs> People accusing each other of headphone theft, obviously. Right. Many stated that they were appalled and out expressed outrage or disgust. Some people who were downtown or at the live site stated that they thought the crowds or the atmosphere were different than previous games and that they were not surprised that riots happened. Some stated that they had been scared or left the venue early because they were worried. Others stated that they would now be scared to attend large gatherings in Vancouver. I think it would have been useful for the media uh, to somehow come to an understanding like across outlets at the time to be like, we will not print the word riot yeah. in our uh, in our coverage. I'm talking about leading up. For sure. I mean, I almost feel like it was. It was premeditated, basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was going to say promoted, but yeah. Like... Yeah, promoted. Yeah, sorry, not premeditated. That's the wrong word. Promoted. It was drummed up. People kept referring to 94. Everybody said, what's going to happen if they lose? You were kind of goading the public into doing it with, with, the, with the amount of coverage that was happening. And I think. Yeah, because maybe for the first for like for the first two games, it was what's going to happen if they lose. And then after that, after the second, like after games three and four, it was, oh, if they lose, there is going to be a riot. And it was sort of like, well, this thing is going to happen. So if you want to riot, go downtown. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And there was a. That was really in the air at the time. Like, I remember people like being like, I don't want to go downtown to watch the game because I don't want to riot. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of people were like, I want to play it safe and be home. Like, I wonder what it, what it looked like in terms of how many people, how many parents brought kids. Right. Like compared to game two or something, I'm sure it was way less. Yeah. Many commented on how the justice system should respond. And a common view was that those charged with offenses should be made to directly pay for the damage they caused to property <laughs> or volunteer to repay the affected businesses they disrupted. I mean, it's working in Seashell. 
sim- <laughs> similarly, some called for community work as a way to pay back the community, while others suggested restorative justice to bring together those who destroyed property or cause people to be scared during the riot with their victims so as to reconcile communities. I would suggest that the later uh, suggestions are better than the earlier ones. <laughs> others felt strongly about the need to shame those who will be charged. Expectations were voiced that the justice system will be too lenient, that stiff penalties are required, and that riot instigators should be dealt with the full extent of the law. Some thought those who rioted were not interested in hockey and that riots are endemic to the kind of society we live in. A smaller number felt that riots were related to hockey culture or that the media contributed to people wanting to riot for fame. A few people stated that the law should be changed to make it illegal for a person to wear a mask at a public event <laughs> or, or when an unlawful assembly has been declared. Well, it looks like you lost that one, bitch. <laughs> how many how many people said that uh, a riot is the language of the unheard? See, now, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I have been thinking about how to shoehorn that into this. And I just. Well, I've already it. shoehorned the Lenin one in. At the well, of the, the Lenin one is is objectively just goofy. I feel a little bit less. <laughs> I feel a little bit less good about like using Martin Luther King's well, words to defend the actions. Who are you talking to here? <laughs> I am talking to the Martin Luther King of Vancouver. That, that's right. Mrs. Yeah. Blake Price. <laughs> Under the section VPD responses. All of the Vancouver police officers who filled out the surveys worked on the night of the riot, June 15th, 2011. 73% were scheduled to work. 8% were called out after the riot began. And 19% reported without being asked. I mean, if you want overtime, you want overtime. 76% of external officers were scheduled to work. 19% were called out after the riot began. And 6% reported without being asked. Nerds. Yeah. 17% of Vancouver police officers felt enough officers had been deployed for game seven and 18% felt once game seven turned into a riot, enough officers had been deployed. I have to just point out that it is not a shocker to me that the vast majority of police officers felt there weren't enough police officers there. Do, do police officers ever say they have enough people or equipment or. I mean, if they're talking about a riot that happened in the news, yeah, of course they're going to be. We, we could have had more. It would have stopped things. But I don't yeah. think there was any way you could have stopped it. Not as it was organized. Yeah. Like there were things that could have been done planning wise to stop it. If they did it like Jurassic Park in Toronto, where it's kind of gated oh, off. I thought you made and- the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they electrified the fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life always finds a way there, Elliot. You can't stop mm-hmm. that. When asked what would have increased their feelings of safety, Vancouver police and external respondents noted the following better or additional equipment, 44%, more police presence, 85%, more training, 34%, better or additional communication from supervisor, 34%, and other, 17%. I really want to know what other is. Just literally all of these are just more money, more bazookas. Yeah. Uh, And we will get to that. But that concludes the notes from the independent review, which, frankly, it's really sad to me that just for my own edification purposes, that that is really like the most significant piece of like investigative journalism, I I guess you could call it, that has been done into the Vancouver riot because it's the exact type of thing you would expect. It's a total sanitization. It's written by John Furlong. Mm-hmm. There's really no like depth of analysis to it whatsoever. It's just like a bunch of numbers and like survey abstracts. You can't forget the lyrics. We couldn't have done anything and we didn't do anything wrong. I'm really glad they included the lyrics to Fun's uh, Tonight or Yonder, whatever it's called. <laughs> What, so honestly, that Jurassic Park reference that I made, I, I keep thinking about that now. Like, I wonder if other cities are better at this than us, where they have more experience probably with the sports teams being better, yeah. that when they host these these outdoor events like this, they know they're not just going to put a giant screen somewhere in the middle of a, of a town square or whatever. And whoever comes, comes. Like, I wish it could be like that, uh, but... I, I feel like this is more of a failure of event planning than even police. Absolutely. Uh, you, you get off a little bit of it. 
uh, have your beer gardens and like Jurassic Park. I don't remember. I don't, I don't know if you had to pay to get in, for example, but it feels like that's where you could have prevented this from happening. More M4A1s wasn't going to do anything. No, uh, I, I would be inclined to agree, but I would also point out that I don't want to I don't want to delve into just insane speculation or whatever, uh, unlike most of the time uh, where I do, in fact, want to do that. But there, there's a difference. I guess what I'm going to say is there's a difference between a conspiracy theory and a just looking at a situation and, and looking at who who stands to uh, gain or lose from it and seeing that for them, it's going to be a win win situation. And I think for the VPD and this riot, how could you look at it as anything other than, well, whatever happens will benefit, right? Either a big riot happens and, you know, you can use this as justification for giant, giant budget increases for the rest of time, or you prevent a riot from happening, like massive scare quotes, and then you can use that for more funding. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that brings us now to maybe my favorite thing that happened in the aftermath of this riot, which is... I think it's a lot of people's favorite things, just for very different reasons. Yes. Uh, the giant cleanup slash uh, self-immolation that uh, happened in downtown Vancouver the next day. Uh, I will never forget the just gigantic like wall that people wrote on where they were like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have an article here by Denise Ryan from the Vancouver Sun. I will never apologize to a bank. Uh, it's titled Thousands Stream into Vancouver to Clean Up After Riot. On streets scorched by flames, littered with broken glass, and studded with the blackened hulls of torched cars, an army of citizens converged Thursday morning to cleanse the wounds and set things right. An estimated 15,000 people of all ages streamed into the heart of Vancouver as early as 5 a.m. to clean up the bloody footprints, scrub the offensive graffiti to try and make amends for the damage caused by hooligans and looters after Wednesday night Stanley Cup loss. They came to share their feelings of disgust and outrage to heal the pristine image of a city that had sparkled not just in their own hearts, but in the eyes of the world after last year's Olympics, but mostly they came because they cared. I this sentence makes me want to fucking puke. I just have to say, like, sorry, who wrote this? Uh, Denise Ryan, just the sports writer. I don't know who Denise Ryan is, uh, but I understand that you're there's only so much column space and you're trying to tell a story about a riot. And this is the easiest story to tell, I guess. But just using the phrase pristine image of a city that sparkled because of the Olympics is just so utterly tone deaf. Like the amount of people who paid with like literally their bodies for, and their, their lives homes. for the Olympics and their homes for the Olympics to happen. Um, yeah, that one, that one really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, it's an incredible response from the people of this city, said city sanitation manager John. Ma Speaking of Jurassic Park, said city sanita sanitation manager John Williams as he looked over the team of volunteer first responders. Although it's hard to believe authorities would sanction crowds pouring into the downtown with brooms or sticks of any kind after the riots, the city and the VPD quickly gave their seal of approval to the Facebook group post-riot cleanup. Let's help Vancouver. Oh, weird. The cops uh, giving permission for a bunch of scabs to come in and do work for free. <laughs> It'd be really funny if all these people who were like approaching downtown the day after with brooms and stuff, they just had a second riot. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, fuck, that looks fun. <laughs> we forgot to come. Yeah, we, we missed out on the last <laughs> one. So we just thought another woman showed up with 40 brooms. Sorry, I had work. <laughs> But I'm here now. <laughs> Others appeared with Tim Horton's coffee with muffins and granola bars for all. That'd be funny if uh, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon were there. <laughs> Williams handed out protective gloves, pickers and tongs and was amazed to see six people drop to their knees and start picking glass from between the cracks in the sidewalk. Don't do that. That's dangerous. Why are you doing that? Why does it matter? Just use a broom. Twelve young people stood shoulder to shoulder, scouring graffiti from the east side of the Hudson's Bay Company beneath an overhang blackened by oh flames. Oh, my God. I bet these kids 
put them down for like volunteer hours so they can graduate in time. Absolutely. Okay, but if you're gonna do this, you might as well get volunteer hours for it. That is true. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, at least at least get the paperwork filled out. This is our tornado. This is our tsunami. This is what we will do for our oh community. My God. Said Danny Levin. <laughs> Fuck you, Danny Levin. <laughs> God damn a, it. a city that will absolutely be destroyed by by a tsunami. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, absolutely. Don't do not wish that upon Don't us. Jinx it. <laughs> yeah. It's look. I have this weird thing where every time uh, BC announces like building another train or like even when we talk about like the high speed thing to Seattle, I'm like. How about we wait till after the earthquake? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's gonna go. It's it's gonna break. Can we just wait? <laughs> it's a weird anti-transit opinion I have. It's not that I'm against it. It's that look, this thing's gonna break. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that one. I'm already planning. I'm already planning how to move into the interior to just avoid all of these problems. What's left of it? Like another six years. Yeah, I mean, then I'll just get killed by uh wildfires but at least i have some experience or with a that. rattlesnake <laughs> seems like a decent way to go honestly she and her friend kate lineweber broke worked on a piece of graffiti that said f boston they wanted the phrase gone for a very particular reason one that was echoed by others in the crowd this riot had nothing to do with hockey it was a few people taking advantage of a situation she said of course it had to do with hockey what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Come on. It has to do with Boston specifically. They wanted those words erased to send an important message about sportsmanship. We love our Canucks, but we can also feel proud for the Bruins that they play well. Oh. Fuck you. Shut up. Wrong. Hate this. Shut Garbage. the fuck up. Uh, just want to make it clear. If, if you have ever seen uh, that meme picture of Jason Lee holding the hockey stick in front of the budget breaking muffler that says we are all Canucks except this guy this guy's an asshole or whatever I want to remake that but with the fucking people cleaning up the city after the riot we are all Canucks (laughs) except for these assholes except for these nerds the girls had planned to spend the day creating a homemade get well card for injured Canuck Mason Raymond just do that instead yeah Yeah. do that instead just do that instead That would have actually been cool. I'm sure he would have really appreciated that. Instead, they donned their rubber gloves to wish their city well. I just want to say this sounds like the least interesting thing you could possibly do with either rubber gloves or Mason Raymond. You could be, for example, filling up jars of his uh, skincare routine. Yes. He'll still get a card from us, but it may be a hallmark, said Lemon. Crystal Graniker, who works in the shoe department at the bay came by to give andrea collins who was scrubbing graffiti and diamond earrings and a ruffled red blouse a hug oh god how many of these women are just have just spent the entire covid pandemic screaming at tim horton's uh, people for asking them to wear a mask <laughs> they both dabbed at their tears although graniker was off shift at 3 30 p.m wednesday many of her co-workers were in the store when the rioting began trapped inside and terrified as windows windows shattered on the first floor. Still can't believe these people were asked to work during this. Yeah. She was overcome by emotion when she arrived Thursday to see hundreds of volunteers wreathed around the wreckage and signing boarded up windows with messages of love and support. Rhonda Listwin, a Canuck super fan who had come up from California with family in Burnaby and Sharon what until Wednesday night had been a thrilling run for the cup. Couldn't, Hold back the tears as she swept up glass. Go back where you came from. (laughs) (laughs) I was so shocked and appalled by what I saw last night. Those people were not hockey fans. Yes, they were. That's (laughs) the point. I hate this as a talking point so much. Like the the we'll get we'll get into it a little bit more with uh, Jim Chu's comments. But uh, yeah, the the whole like, oh, the people who participate in the riot aren't real hockey fans. It's like, bitch, they're the realest hockey fans. Well, I think just stop gatekeeping. So first of all, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is all just the uh, no true Scotsman fallacy coming up, right? Like, because I've been just thinking about it when I see people say like, this is not Canada when it is the point of Canada, whatever this thing is in reference to. Uh, that no, this is this is. You you can't you can't have it both ways. This happened. You, you can't you can't be a Canucks fan and and not you have to claim the riot. Canadians would never go somewhere, destroy a bunch of shit, and then spend the rest of their lives apologizing for it while doing nothing to actually help. 
Mayor Gregor Robertson came by this morning while we were cleaning up and said, I hope this is the image of Vancouver people remember, said Liswin. Jay Frank, a Shaw employee who came in from Maple Ridge at 5 a.m. with a broom slung over his shoulder, said he was appalled to hear from his colleagues Wednesday night who were still in the downtown office tower while the riots were going on. There are good people in this city, he said. There are good people in those towers. <laughs> what bothers me the most is that Wednesday night, there were 80,000 people watching this get out of hand and taking pictures instead of helping. I'm sorry. What else could you have done at that? Like, e- even if you were there, what do you want people to do? What does help look like? And, and just as a like aside here, when I was a teenager, the best job you could get like right out of high school with no education and no training whatsoever was as a security guard, right? I never worked as a security guard, but I knew a bunch of people who did. My buddy, like my hot coach buddy's like older brother was a security guard. It was like, yeah, this does not make me feel safe anywhere. Yeah. And your job as a security guard is politely asking people to move along if they're being a bother and calling the cops if they won't. That's your job when you're a security guard like that. They and if you try to be a hero, you will get fired because you are not licensed to be a hero. Paladin security is not going to pay for you uh, when you when you get hit with an assault charge. Yeah, exactly. So, like, what would any of these people? What incentive did they have to help? What would helping have even looked like? I mean, just the the other thing about that though is that based off my experience, it looks like if someone from Paladin security was about to get an assault charge, the police would just take the side of the security guard. <laughs> yes, that's definitely yeah. true. No, yeah. As per the last time when I went clubbing and we witnessed exactly that happen. <laughs> Along with glass, burnt metal, spent pepper spray canisters, litter and debris, cleanup volunteer Ariadne Arm- Armand found bags stuffed with new clothes that looters had stashed. She handed them over to police. Little Zachary Roger Senft for a uh, classic 2011 four-year-old kid, two last names, BC. Which WHL division does he play for right now? Crouched on his hands and knees in front of chapters, wearing a canvas glove about 10 sizes too big and picked cubes of glass from the sidewalk you, cracks. White people, what, what is wrong with you? And you why doing? are you letting your children do this? <sighs> his mom, Moira, shut down her social networking company for the day. To get in on the action. Oh, I'm sure that was really hard. (laughs) She was appalled that the actions of a few would be magnified as representative of what Vancouver really is. We're taking a lot of pictures and tweeting it out to the world. This is what we're about. Uh, So that, yeah, that's uh, that's my article on the cleanup, which is one of my favorite uh, sort of forgotten moments of Vancouver city lore. Um, as you said in the last episode, Vias, you're just such a dweeb if you went down there and cleaned up. There are people who would get paid to go clean that up. People who aren't four years old. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, look, did the riot create jobs? Uh, and are you taking jobs away from people? Look, all my life, I have been told to respect job creators. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm just doing what mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do to be a good citizen. And as we know, anyone who creates uh, labor out of nothing is a hero. And, <laughs> you know, I'll let our listeners uh, decide for themselves what that might say about uh, the people who destroyed all the windows at the budget American muffler. I just hate self-righteous people. And I hate it when something like this happens and everybody who loves using these things as excuses just comes out of the woodwork and, and just gleefully holds it over everybody's head i mean to be honest the the one kind of like good thing about uh old stock canadian culture and even like even in america too is the general sense the average person has that like what's happening outside their immediate bubble is not really their business there's ways that it can be taken in a really bad direction but like the general sense that people have of just being like Oh, a bunch of people fuck stuff up downtown. Well, it's none of my business. Is like, yeah, good. Just be like that. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, why? Why does the world always have to be run by busybodies and people who are good at homework? <laughs> Anyways, our our next one up here is from CNN. It's titled "Vancouver Residents Ponder Reasons for Stanley Cup Riots." 
the first quote here is one that longtime Vancouver Canucks fans will remember. Vancouver Police Chief Jim Chu is blaming, quote, criminals and anarchists who, he said, disguised themselves as Canucks fans for the riots. These were people who came equipped with masks, goggles and gasoline, even fire extinguishers that they would use as weapons, Chu said. Well, they wanted to put up. Maybe they came to help. Yeah. (laughs) Nearly 100 people were arrested, according to Deputy Mayor Raymond Louie. Fifteen vehicles were damaged after the home team lost the hockey championship to the Boston Bruins. We have more than 100 tips that include video and photographs of the individuals involved in the riot, Louis said Thursday. We will investigate and prosecute individuals involved in last night's activities. They do not represent Vancouver, and we thank the people that came out this morning to help clean up the streets. Among unofficial Facebook pages set up after the violence was one soliciting cleanup help and another asking readers to report riot, quote, morons. I'm proud to be from Vancouver, said Courtney Rose, manager of the Boathouse Restaurant. (laughs) Uh, I've had some good meals at the Boathouse. I've grown up (laughs) thinking we are a peaceful city in Western Canada, not the kind of people who destroy property and fight with police in the streets. Well, then you have no knowledge of history. Rose said she and the other residents avoided downtown parts of the city after smelling tear gas in areas surrounding the arena. Public transportation was also restricted during the riot, she said, which temporarily prevented residents from entering parts of the city. The melee began after the Bruins won their first NHL championship in 39 years, trouncing the Vancouver Canucks 4 nothing Wednesday night. It's absolutely disgraceful and shameful, Mayor Gregor Robertson told CNN affiliate CTV. It by no means represents the city of Vancouver. He called the rioters despicable after hundreds of mostly young people took to the streets and set overturned vehicles ablaze. There's old people, too. <laughs> uh, do you guys remember this whole story? It was the anarchists from the suburbs that caused oh, the riot? Oh, of course. It was all, it was, all of it was Surrey. And, I mean, sure, why not? I, I do remember there being a whole thing about Craigslist the next day had all these gushy bags from people in Surrey and whatnot. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Where, where, where do you, where do you think? Like, do you remember the demographics of Vancouver at the time? It's not like a lot of people could live in Vancouver. Yeah, it's also kind of like, what did you expect people to do in a riot? Like, of course they were just gonna loot whatever was nearby, and. If it was Gucci handbags, like and like it's one metropolitan area, like who cares if they're from like one suburb or another? Like, what is if this? If you brought in cops from Surrey, like yeah, if you're gonna bring in cops from Surrey, you know the rioters get to bring in anarchists. That's only fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as a response to this article, I was able to find probably uh, m- the most significant poll of the episode. I'm not sure if there was an article that Garth wrote if it was just a comment from him in an article that I had already uh, that I had discovered somewhere else. But I wanted to highlight a a quote from Garth who was asked about Jim Chu's comments and also about the Olympics uh, in the tie. The article is titled Mayor Top Cop Finger Pointing Wrong, says Anarchist. <laughs> Anarchy is a lack of order by rejection of authority, which is one way of describing the violent June 15 rampage through downtown Vancouver after the Canucks lost the Stanley Cup final. Mayor Gregor Robertson and police chief Jim Chu were quick to blame anarchists for the city's second such hockey riot. They even claimed that some of the perpetrators were also involved in unrest at the 2010 Winter Olympics and Toronto's G20 summit. So obviously the Olympics are something we're going to get into later, but... um, the 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 Olympics one I understand, but assuming that people organize from G twenty, I mean, wow, I'm surprised by that one. They've offered no proof. Challenged Garth Mullins, a frequent attendee of anti globalization protests since APEC ninety seven, who was a high profile member of the Olympic Resistance Network. Mullins blamed a potent mix of testosterone, booze, and sports hype. There's a history of it. It happened in 1994. You invite 100,000 people downtown. You show them a game that involves a lot of fighting. You liquor them up. He said, you don't need a cockamamie anarchist conspiracy. Photographs and videos shot by media outlets and citizens alike show the perpetrators were mainly males in their teens and 20s and dressed in Canucks jerseys and T-shirts. They also don't seem to care that their faces were visible. If anarchists are attending an event where there's going to be 
a police crackdown. You bring legal observers, you bring medics, you use your cell phone for communication, not for taking photos of yourself and putting them on Facebook, Mullen said. Certainly people weren't wearing typical black block gear. There were none of the visual or organizational hallmarks. Mullen said he avoided downtown on the night of Game 7 and was unhappy that vandals even hit the central library. Anarchists like libraries, he said. <laughs> we don't smash the windows in the libraries. God, I love Garth so much. I love Garth, too. It's so good. This is such a rich comment. It really is. Yeah. And it, it, the first thing I did after I read the the Jim Chu article was go and see if Garth had had said something about it. And I will also direct people to an article we don't have time to read uh, called We Are the Riot, The Truth About Vancouver's History of Civil Unrest, which is basically a history of all the riots in Vancouver written by Garth Mullins. I'll include it in the show notes. It is very worth reading. The idea that civil unrest is somehow uh, not a part of Vancouver's history is complete revisionism. It has been a part of Vancouver's history for the entirety of its existence. It's been one of the only good parts of it. (laughs) Uh, And obviously, um, as we discussed in the last episode, this riot was goofy as shit, but it has, I think, been been used to tell some wrongheaded stories about civil unrest in Vancouver. It just equates it as just being people who are there who crave destruction. Uh, when even even Gar's little comment about the library is like, we like that shit. We would never break it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it just speaks so much. And and you know, I, I never considered uh, those arguments, and they they totally track. Like you would never organize something like that where your face could be seen, where you'd be, you'd be caught in public like that so easily, where you know so much police is going to be around. Just what, what would be the point of it? A, a deeper comment from, uh, from Garth as well that I'll highlight that I believe is from... I have a master doc here, but I don't have the... Uh, I don't have headers for everything. And, uh, I have ADHD, whatever. Uh, but I believe it's from the We Are the, the Riot article... Beware of riotous anarchist protesters and left-wing pinkos. We will corrupt your otherwise law-abiding, middle-class, Olympic-dreaming teenage sons, turning them into a seething mass of chaos. Well, I am one of those left-wing pinkos, but I didn't do it. Neither did the movement of which I am a part. Sports riots are common enough not to require the modern equivalent of a red scare as explanation. Some of my anarchist comrades dislike the violence and male aggression of hockey, while some are diehard Canucks fans. But the act of chasing a puck around a rink does not rank up there with corporate globalization and social injustice in terms of the foes of anarchy. History has no shortage of political causes involving conflicts with police or property damage, women's suffrage being just one notable campaign that broke a few windows. But losing the playoffs is not a political cause, and the riots, human and property targets reflect no political path. So thanks to Garth for providing uh, us with Basically, the entire political analysis uh, that we need, need, uh, which allows us to just do the thing that we are good at, which is make fun of these uh, Mm -hmm. these silly, silly people. So uh, now we get into the the last uh, important note here, which is all of the people who got uh, named and shamed on Facebook. And where are they now? Uh, (laughs) My first article that I have here is from the Toronto Star. It's an article by Vanessa Liu called. Vancouver rioters got rowdy, then got fired. I'm, I'm just going to really quickly add on that point about uh, anarchists like are aren't really into sports. It's true. Like I split my left wing activist friends with uh, with hockey for, or like they're a separate group of people usually than who my hockey friends are. Often yeah. the times I like do any activism, I'm extremely embarrassed to bring up that I have a hockey podcast. <laughs> like I purposely am keeping this shit separate. Yeah except in the rare case where somebody is a hockey fan, they probably know about the podcast already. And I'm trying to... Uh, trying desperately to not get them to out you. Uh, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to like speak without without somebody hearing me in, in the whole room being like, shut up, shut up, don't bring it up. Not right now. I'll answer your DMs, I promise. But <laughs> So uh, the woman that is mentioned in this article is... Uh, the woman I alluded to earlier who was also told that online shaming was enough of a punishment and did not get jail time. I believe she I believe she ended up getting a two year suspended sentence. 
one one day being talked about on the dirty is uh, five days in jail. So <laughs> <laughs> Camille Cacnio, a part time receptionist at a car dealership, was caught in a three second video clip stealing clothing from a looted store during the Stanley Cup riots. She was fired. Professional mountain biker Alex Prochaska posed in front of a burning car while wearing a T-shirt from his sponsor, Oakley. The sunglass company company promptly dropped him. Carpenter Connor McElvena declared the riots awesome on his Facebook page and posted several <laughs> pro-riot status updates such as Attaboy Van City. Uh, I have to make notes here. Uh, there are multiple exclamation marks after every sentence and uh, no capitalization. It just adds to it. Attaboy Van City. Show them how we do it. And Vancouver needed remodeling anyway. Show me the lie. One of the ugliest cities in the world. I think this will be a turning point in how employers look at social media, said Peter Eastwood, a partner at Borden Ladner Gervais in Vancouver. Can we just pause for a moment on Borden Ladner Gervais? <laughs> Prime Minister Borden, the suburb of Vancouver, and the bad office guy. <laughs> just a beautiful combination of names. Uh, this is an extremely powerful tool that has potentially enormous and immediate consequences for a business. Well, he nailed it on that one. Man plotted for a plotting Vancouver riot on Facebook. So this is uh, a little bit more details on Connor McElvena, who we mentioned earlier. Connor McElvena says he went downtown with some friends around 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday to watch the post-Stanley Cup riot, but didn't do anything illegal. I didn't do anything. I did nothing wrong. I was just there, he said. He did, however, post several pro-riot status updates on his Facebook page. McElvena listed right tech construction on his profile as his employer and the morning after the riot he was called in by the boss and promptly fired right tech owner justin wright says that mcelvena's thoughtless comments impacted his company's reputation i just didn't feel like what he said was appropriate and i didn't want any affiliation towards my company with the things he said on facebook wright said i had over 100 emails and out of the 100 emails close to 30 of them were copies of his facebook page which he sent out during the riots McElvena says he's apologized on Facebook in the meantime, but the lesson has been a hard one to learn. I didn't do I, anything. I was just there. I made stupid comments that I'm extremely regretful for, and people just took them the wrong way, he said. I'm, all, all I'm going to say is, like, f fuck off to whoever was screen capping those and sending them to his boss. Who cares? This is the kind of thing where, where it's like, where, where are the free speech fucking people on this? Yeah, where are all the cancel culture people? On they didn't. This? If they, yeah, if they, especially if they didn't do anything, like probably the only people to be successfully canceled in Canucks history are the people who participated in the riot. But he didn't even participate. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing. This guy, yeah, the idea that you could get fired for making jokes about the riot, I would not have a job. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm second guess. I'm immediately second guessing what I'm doing right now. I have one last article that I wanted to. Um, preface in a moment here but just want to add a note on one person who uh, i don't want to i don't want to give give away too much information because i don't want some overzealous freak to like find the person in question but do you guys remember the story about the quote-unquote good samaritan who was stopping people from who was assaulted trying to stop people from looting the bay i mean vaguely vaguely so th that's a very evocative image for me because what are we all doing right now if not being asked to lay down our lives for the Bay? <laughs> but how many people throughout, you know, what is called Canada's history have been asked for that? Yeah. I'm imagining the uh, Canadian flag, uh, thin blue line Canadian flag, but instead of the blue line, it's the Bay's like the yellow red <laughs> colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did some digging on this and uh, the guy who assaulted him. Uh, did do jail time, and he maintained in his court case that the reason he assaulted him was because uh, he believed he was the guy was like coming at his girlfriend, which Whoa. I mean, the whole thing, the whole situation is, as Elliot said to me, uh, or as Elliot said in the last episode, in my opinion, you know, play stu stupid games, win stupid prizes or whatever. But the thing that I found uh, really interesting as I went back and watched the news footage and the dude is just straight up swinging a beam at all the people who are trying to loot the bay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I do remember this. I, I, I just don't even know what to say to that. Like, I, I, I'm going to avoid saying anything about it, I guess, yeah. and just let people 
let the listeners decide for themselves what to think about that. It's a part of the story that has been completely memory hold, though. So my final article here is about the man in question, not the uh, not the beam swinger, but the guy who was uh, who assaulted the, quote, Good Samaritan. Uh, this is a story from the Chilliwack Progress, I believe, in 2019. Uh, it's a fairly recent story. It's titled More Trouble for Chilliwack Man, Infamous for Stanley Cup Riot Assault on Good Samaritan. Sentenced this week for twice refusing to provide breath samples after alleged drunk driving. One of the more notorious instigators convicted of beating a Good Samaritan during the infamous Vancouver Stanley Cup riots in 2011 was in court in Chilliwack this, this week, facing more charges for bad behavior. Was sentenced on January 14th to a $200 fine and received a 14-month driving prohibition for repeated impaired driving and police defiance in Chilliwack and Campbell River. Twice refused to give samples to police after being pulled over for allegedly driving drunk and in the second incident fled from officers. The now 26-year-old, so this means, yeah, 2019, because it would have been eight years out from, he was 18 at the time. So this was this article was written in 2019 and the guy in question was 18 at the time of the riot and is 26 at the time of his arrest. The tw- now 26-year-old was in Vancouver, in the Vancouver media seven and a half years ago as one of the four men charged for beating Good Samaritan on June 15th, 2011, after the Canucks lost the Stanley Cup. I'm just going to bleep that name out. I was defending the Bay Department store from those smashing windows when along with many others, started to attack him violently on the street. Once again, um, watch the footage. I do not think that is what's happening. I'm not saying anyone involved in this situation behaved appropriately. There are situations where everyone is doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, but I would urge you to watch the footage and just read the documents, folks. Uh, just just watch it and uh, just decide for yourself, like, if that looks like it's what's happened. The judge who convicted McDonald and sentenced him to six months jail rejected the young man's claims he was defending his girlfriend. So I bring this up because um, a guy getting pulled over for drunk driving is generally not news like ever. Because uh, unless it's Gordon Campbell. Um, (laughs) And uh, I just find it interesting that eight and a half uh, years later, this uh, this guy is still like still has to have his name uh, plastered all over the paper. Do you think this is small town vibes? Yeah. The kind of thing that happens in a small town where everybody just like wants to rip on the few people in the community who are like safely pariahed. Yeah, they're 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 safe. They're safe to rip on. And humiliate and I guess my final uh, sort of thought on all of these these articles that I think paint a very interesting picture when looked at in quick succession is that I think, especially here in Canada, uh, it is wise to think about how the media and how the culture talks about the kind of criminals that we consider to be unsympathetic and how they are often used as the thin point of the wedge to push through policies that do not end up affecting the people that they that we're told they are supposed to affect to add on the small town thing how many other people in the small town probably have a ton of drunk driving convictions or do so already i mean like i i don't know how much of a parallel it is but do you know how many, you know the Premier of Saskatchewan like killed somebody drunk driving? Yes. And he keeps getting elected? No, but I believe it. It drove me up the fucking wall. I felt like I was taking crazy pills when I found out about this. And like, there's like one news story that references it. Well, you, one of the reasons why why you didn't hear so much about it is because like everybody else in his cabinet and the opposition party also have like massive drunk driving. I mentioned charges. this on Twitter and like three guys from Saskatchewan all started yelling, screaming at me like, <laughs> oh, well, he apologized and it was an accident. And I'm like, what the fuck? How many people in hockey have smashed windows, beaten the shit out of people and drove drunk and killed people in the process of driving drunk and not had to pay for it like this fucking guy did? They could have at least made Craig McTavish like force him to wear a stupid helmet. <laughs> yeah. That they should have at least that should have been his punishment for fucking killing that girl should have been having to wear a helmet, asshole. 
Well, also 40 other things, but well, yeah, but if, like if they were going to be such like if they were going to be such hockey men and and like paper over it, then yeah, at the very least, I'm pretty sure making someone wear a helmet if they were one of the grandfather guys would probably be more effective of a deterrent than like whatever they actually do. Actually, no, let him not wear a helmet, but also he's not allowed to wear jock strap, shoulder pads, <laughs> uh, knee pads. You were talking, uh, Vias, about, a second ago about like how many people in small towns have drunk driving uh, convictions or whatever. In my graduating class, so literally, like as this was happening, probably either a couple days after this or like a couple days before, like right around this time, we had our prom and dry grad, and at the dry grad there was a draw for a car to win a car. They, the fucking stupid shit that parents in this city would pour money into to this day astounds me. But uh, if anybody doesn't know what a dry grad is, by the way, sure. Yeah, it's right. Uh, it's right after graduation high school uh, for American listeners. It's right after prom. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a silly little party that, the parents set up that's uh, supposed to have no alcohol in it that the students can like go to from like after prom and like deep into the morning kind of thing. They keep you there until 5 a.m. and you have a family friendly party so that you won't go out and uh, get smashed the night after grad. So what you do. Yeah. So what you do is they do that on the Saturday night and then on the Sunday night you go out and get hammered and have unprotected sex and then don't show up for school the next day. It works really well. Um, you're also just you just don't go <laughs> yeah no absolutely uh anyways you're they cool. held you a, find the kid with the cool wait, do you parents, school so. after grad they held a it, you, no it's it's like so the way we did it is our prom was like for some reason like a week before the end of school oh okay yeah that makes sense cause like yeah i think i think we had that too yeah and the funny thing is that by the time you actually have your graduation ceremony like there's no incentive to go because all the fun stuff is done. Oh, because we did our graduation ceremony first and like you had to do that to go to the fun stuff. No, for, well, my school did it incredibly stupidly. And then uh, they were just asking me to troll them. They uh, they had this whole thing where they read something out when you walk across the stage at commencement. And I said, uh, and it's always about your future plans. And I was like, Jackson's future plans are to complete the necessary schooling to read people's names when they walk across the stage at commencement ceremonies. And the guy who read it got really <laughs> got really pissed. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, the, uh, the so they hold a raffle for a car to win a new car. And uh, the girl that won it had an outstanding like ticket for drunk driving. <laughs> <laughs> so the car was won by a person who couldn't use it. Uh, because they had their license suspended for drinking and driving. Uh, oh so that was God. great. I will say that after our grad ceremony, we had a safe grad, uh, which yeah. is much, much better. Yeah, definitely. You get to drink. I don't yeah. Know. Harm, harm reduction grad. Yeah, exactly. They were doing socialism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, fuck there it. Was I, a place, it. Uh, there was a, a place in my hometown that did socialism and harm reduction, and it got shun- shut down. Because uh, they were, quote unquote, allowing uh, kids to consume alcohol and drugs on the premises, which was not true. People would just go to shows high and drunk. And then the adults that were working there would, like, take care of them because they weren't psychopaths. Okay, I I remember the story I was going to bring up. All right. There are some, let's call them fraternal organizations. (laughs) Okay. I have knowledge of one of them. Had a had a certain night that they would do. I don't know if they still do it. I I don't know if they were doing it ten years ago, but it was celebrated still. Basically, it was a competition for all the members of this organization to go uh, drunk driving, and they would basically there, there would be a point A, point B, and point C or whatever, and you had to get drunker throughout the night, and it's whoever made it to the last point first. Basically, it was a drunk driving race. <laughs> now, Mayor may, may also bring up that a lot of these fraternal organizations, a lot of police officers, a lot of firefighters, a lot of judges are members of like all these types of uh, dudes are part of these organizations. And uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's not good out there. I want to make a Fast and the Furious movie about that. Oh god. That's that's the one one movie where I'd I'd be rooting for the cops in that one. <laughs> Which cops? Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note. Uh thanks for listening, everybody, to uh part two of our long-awaited two-part series on the Vancouver riot, uh, 2011 Vancouver riot, <laughs> one of many. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a lot of research, a lot of work to put together. Thank you, Jackson. I hope it made for good listening material and not just uh, a bunch of um, loosely connected article readings. So um, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at VSRN. You can follow me on Twitter at Moosekai. Don't forget to follow the pod at Roxy Fever and subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash Roxy Fever. I just, just, just finished recording a, a very fun her- heritage minute with oh a friend of the show. Uh, you were the first one to make that joke. You were not allowed <laughs> to I... fucking. Uh, about um, an infamous streaking incident from a 1974 Canucks game that was a ton of fun. So, um, Please uh, give that a listen if you are a subscriber. And if you're not a subscriber, fucking get on it. Come on, man. I, I, I put the vast majority of the workout for free, and I probably shouldn't do that <laughs> for money reasons, but I do it because I want people to hear it. So fucking subscribe to the Patreon. Subsidize this shit. Also, more money for us to buy uh, the other two guys' PS4s uh, so we can start streaming Chow. That's another, right. Yeah, another and others. Similar. All right. All right. Good night, folks. Thanks for listening, guys.